What's up, guys? Here with you, FC Wonder Kid, episode 130. Here with my guy, Bretson. How are you? I'm doing well. I, I I should actually throw it right back to you. Uh, this is a non-football related conversation to start. Mm. But how are you doing with Attack on Titan ended? <laughs> it's fully ended, correct? It's done. Oh my days! Will man. you survive? Yes. I, I've watched it. I've watched the final episode too. And yes, I don't want to spoil anyone, but the protagonist did uh, did die. So uh, <laughs> it's a big oh, one. <laughs> oh, oh, and I was well, quite, I was well, quite, I was quite sad about that. But. Please watch it. Spoiler. Watch the series. <laughs> Please watch the series, okay, people? But we say protagonist dying, and you're asking how yep. I'm doing. I'm doing really well. Yeah. But who isn't is Eric Ten Hag. <laughs> I know he won that game. He won. They Fulham. Yeah. Man United beat Fulham one nil with a Brun Fernandes goal. And I'd w I I want to start by saying everyone who disrespects Brun Fernandes doesn't know ball. Okay, saying he's not the captain material. I can understand because of the poor decisions for captain that man united has but to say he's a bad captain towards the the the, the, the options available is completely wrong right yeah. now okay bruno mm. is one of the leaders of the man united team yes he's one to blame but he's not the total blame and he's got his 200th appearance for the team 67 goals and 55 assists so i'm yeah. doing better than eric ten Hag. Uh, yeah. this, this weekend, yes. Well, I, I mean, Eric Ten Hag, it's, it's, been, it's been how many months now? It's been well over a year. Uh, and I still don't know what, what he's trying to do. Uh, now, part of that could be because I'm thick-headed and, and I don't understand things, and that's why I don't get paid the big bucks to, you know, manage a very large team. Uh, but I think there's a lot of people out there still trying to figure out mm -hmm. what is Eric Ten Hag's plan i mean has he, he he's clearly not trying to play like ajax um mm -hmm. so what is the intent here and and bruno bailed him out in that game and it was kind of a a middling experience to even watch that game mm -hmm. uh i almost felt hard done for fulham even though they haven't been at their best this season um but bruno has bailed them out continuously mm -hmm. and if it's not bruno it's scott mctominay um who was barely part of the team heading into this and we are yet another game we are yet another game without a striker in the Premier League mm -hmm. scoring a goal for Manchester United. And I'm, I'm just going to have to ask, at, at what point um, does something... Uh, what is the decision, or, or, or 560-plus minutes it has been, of Rasmus Winterholland not scoring a goal in the Premier League? Now, I'm not worried necessarily long-term for them, mm -hmm. Um, but this is a monkey he's got to get off his back, like, no. ASAP, mm -hmm. right? Um, but uh, uh, do you look for depth? Do you look for more st another striker uh, when the winter transfer window opens? Or are we just fully saying Rasmus Venter Hoyland is it? We're going to get it done, and we are, we are comfortable with this. We're going to keep going um, from here on out. Well, if Martial leaves, that I don't think Martial has the quality to start a striker ever for Man United for here on out, yeah. I think they should definitely get a competitive striker to go against Rasmus Winterholland. I understand Ivan Tony is the name that everyone wants to spit out to go to Man United and compete with Winterholland, but why not like a Gift Orban? Why not a Santiago Jimenez? Why not like look at different leagues? Leverkusen did that with Boniface. Look what it's paid yeah. off. 
Big time. Yeah. So I think that Man United needs to fix the transfer policy. I, I'm consistently saying this, but it doesn't help to have the wrong decisions of players with the wrong tactics, okay? Seeing players like Amrabat, he's played fullback this season. Imagine saying to a, a person last season, seeing him at Fiorentina, seeing him from Morocco, he's going to play at fullback. People would say it makes no yeah. sense. And this is the thing that I, I agree with what you said. Eric Ten Hag doesn't come to Man United to play Ajax style of football. He's there to adapt what he's learned from Ajax and play mm -hmm. how Man United deserve at a world class level. Okay, and be dominant. But it hasn't happened. And what what worries me is Man United has very strong-minded individual players. Examples with Varane, Kazmir, Lisandro Martinez, Scott McTominay, look what he's doing for Scotland. Onana, that has been in a Champions League final. And even Lisandro Martinez too, that he's won a World Cup. These are players with world-class pedigree at a mentality level. So something isn't ticking. So that's why the manager is getting pointed fingers. Because he's got the resources. Yeah. But it's not coming out. It's not coming out, yeah. the results. It's like a kitchen. Um, you got wonderful ingredients, wonderful, wonderful food, but it's not cooking right. It's the chef. Yeah. It's the chef, and the well, chef is Eric Ten Hag. It's not happening right now. Anthony, one uh, of the biggest problems at Man United, and he comes with big trust of the manager. Of the manager. Rashford, star player before Ten Hag. Star player with Ten Hag last season. Where is Rashford? He's not there. And that is the manager's fault for not being there. So you got to point fingers. Well, got to point. I, I agree, and it it, it is time. Um, and if Eric Ten Hag Ten Hag is the kitchen, or I'm sorry, is the <laughs> chef within the kitchen, and 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 the the fire is heating up, mm -hmm. right? I think I think he's working with some ingredients that are past expiration. Armageddon. And, and <laughs> yeah, well, one of the biggest things that need to be dealt with, um, because you know, I I. I don't mean to throw Hoyland under the bus because it's not no, his fault, no, in no, my no, opinion. No, no, it is not his fault. I put he is 567 fault. minutes scoreless in the Premier League, but I'm going to amend that comment. He has 567 minutes scoreless in the Premier League due to crappy service, and it's because Ten Hag is working with some expired ingredients that he needs to figure out. Now, ingredients that he brought in, um, mm -hmm. eh, not fully, but one Mount. of them, Anthony Mount. and Jaden Sancho. Mount. And yes, and, and none of them are doing what, what yes. So, uh, you, you know, Hoyland, if he gets service, I think if he's in a different team in the Premier League right now, he's probably putting them in the back of the net. And they're certainly not playing or catering to his strengths. Fuck. So I... um. I, I just, I feel bad for Fulham. Any lineup of Man United <laughs> last season is better than this yeah. one, especially in midfield. Probably. The Casemiro Bruno yeah. Eriksen was working. Mason Mount is a problem right now for this team. A problem that costs 60 million pounds. 60 million pounds. And you look at other teams that bought Madison, bought James Warprouse, bought Shabazz Lai. Like, and you look at Mount and you're saying, and you're wondering to yourself, well, who made the decision? It was Eric Ten Hag with no sporting director. And something else, too, that I, I really want to point, finger, point fingers with Man United fans. I think this is heritage, what I'm going to mention here. Cristiano Ronaldo left Man United incredibly poorly. Okay, incredibly, incredibly poorly. And everybody recognizes Cristiano Ronaldo as the number seven. The number seven, the best football number seven ever 
in the history of the game. And Man United need to value that brand. But they haven't. Because since Ronaldo's left, the first time Ronaldo has been around, you've seen Cavani, Depay, Sanchez, Di Maria that wasn't in the right environment, Michael Owen, Antonio Valencia, and now Mason Mount. How can Mason Mount honor a player like Cristiano Ronaldo when on the same team, everybody knows Garnacho plays like Ronaldo? Style of play. Okay, I'm not saying he's like Ronaldo right now. So, right. it's... It's poor decisions of the ownership towards the culture and the heritage of Man United. And the number seven jersey, the way it's been treated, is clear showing of just that. So it's got to fix. And Sir Jim, Sir Jim Ratcliffe, I am not sold on him. I am not sold on him 100%. But I just, I just think Eric Ten Hag is not the main reason of the problems, but it's the environment that has brought upon Eric Ten Hag that made said like look fix this and he's like how can i fix it so fast like it can't happen yeah. <laughs> it can't happen yeah. so yeah but 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 not and not to maybe we end it on this um he's not eric ten hag is not the first manager to go into a big club that does not have the right ownership climate uh mm -hmm. to not have uh the right supporter climate um, so, you know, he still should be a whole lot more successful than he is at this moment in time, right? So I do think, you know, if we're pointing fingers, I mean, the, the buck stops with him at the moment. He took the job, um, and he, he certainly got backed uh, mm -hmm. financially. It's just a matter of uh, I don't think he is handling things. Um, I, I think he's a little in over his head. I'm not, I'm not saying he's Graham Potter at Chelsea. Uh, heck no, I'm not saying that. Uh, but Eric Ten Hag has got some soul searching to do in there, and mm -hmm. it's uh, everyone loved him six to eight months ago for his discipline, and now they're kind of like, whoa! I mean, we're going to wind up with no players, nobody left because nobody is meeting his current discipline. Um, so I, I'm really, really intrigued uh, to see what happens. And when it, when it, when we're looking at the table, mm -hmm. um, you know, United has still scraped out some wins after some terrible Old Trafford form. That's true. Um, and they've got a very favorable run of fixtures. Um, so if you want Ten Hag, you want to give Ten Hag some leeway, you want to give him some love over the coming fixtures, uh, and you want to give him a little bit of a longer leash, um, he's got to start tinkering. Um, I don't know if he can continue to, to, to roll with status quo, uh, from here on out, but I I'm certainly intrigued by it. Um, it's, a, it's a big doubt right now, but let us know your thoughts down below about my yeah. United community, okay? And I, I stress upon the Man United ownership and clear proof of that the ownership has a clear impact in a club is what happened in Newcastle. The moment Mike Ashley sold Newcastle to the right people with the Saudi people that know how to make boys, know how to put the right people to make the right decision-making in a football club, Everything has changed. Mike Ashley selling Newcastle saved. Saved Newcastle and Newcastle fans. They're seeing Champions League football and they're beating Arsenal. Arsenal that are in back-to-back yeah. -back losses this season. First time that we've seen it this season. And Arteta Ball, worrying times are happening now with Kai Havertz. Mm -hmm. Kai Havertz mm -hmm. right now has 17 games, one goal, 
one assist. He cost the club 75 million. He's not better than Fabio Vieira. He's not better than Emil Smith-Rowe. So he's not better than the players that were there. And if we compare this summer transfer window, other transfers like Madison, like Shabazzlai, like Diaby, like Doku, they all been better than Kai Havertz. So that is a clear problem that Arteta, I think he won't fix. Kai Havertz shouldn't uh, start this season at least for Arsenal. It can't happen. And I am one that has fallen for this, uh, but Kai Havertz is more the allure. He is more the potential than he is actually the end product. And I think Arteta is finding that out the the hard way at the moment. Um, we saw it. Uh, okay, the price tag was always high. Uh, mm -hmm. But we were like, oh, look, he could play in the midfield. He could do this. And huh. and unfortunately, he, he is, he's all potential. <laughs> he's all exactly. He's all potential. And he has shown uh, little to no end product, little to no, you know, incisiveness, little to no decision making that that has been plus. Hell, he probably shouldn't have even been on the field um, during agree. that game. But listen, Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal can call you can call VAR all you want on that particular game, but they were not good enough to win that game on the day. Mm -hmm. They are not good enough. They were not good enough to win that game on the day. And it was just a bad, bad week for Arsenal. Um, so uh, if we're going to talk about Champions League in the future, um, mm -hmm. I, I, I pity whoever plays them next. And we will talk <laughs> about that very, very I, shortly. I just want to mention because, a real stat yeah. here too. mentioning. I'm mentioning Havertz a lot. And for the people that are yeah. advocates for Kai Havertz, I want to know who you are. And please comment down below on YouTube if you are an advocate of Kai Havertz starting for Arsenal. But the truth is, yeah. Havertz has committed more fouls in the Premier League this season than shots and key passes for Arsenal. More fouls Ooh. than shots. Look at this stat, people. This is very worrying because in a team that has Gabriel Zuc absent, that has Eddie Nketiah ups and big downs, you need yeah. someone to perform in midfield scoring those goals. Declan Rice can do that, but that's not his speciality. Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, those are the players that are w w uh, not wished upon, but have the responsibility to score the goals for this Arsenal, Arsenal team. And that is worrying too. Uh, that is very worrying too for me, Breton. Where there's but no uh when there's no Gabriel Zouz. When Eddie Nketiah mm -hmm. is not scoring the goals like he hasn't against West Ham and against Newcastle, I know he's got five goals, but he did it in these past two games. Necessary games for a goal scorer to be there, present to inspire a team. They need to get a striker. I have a feeling they're mm -hmm. going to get a striker in the next January or summer window. Arsenal. Uh, it's a must. <laughs> it, it, it's absolutely a must. I think the depth, the, you're, you're certainly right. I, I, the, the depth up top is, is an absolute issue if you're going for Premier mm -hmm. League title competition and trying to get through to the knockout rounds of the Champions League. So um, I, I keep throwing this out there, and I really would love to know what other people think. Mm. Uh, I, I honestly believe that this Raya Ramsdale situation has caused more harm than good, and I think any benefit of uh, Raya taking over at goalkeeper in the future is so marginal to what Aaron Ramsdale offers all across the board in terms of just the vibe around him. Yeah, he's going to make mistakes. All goalkeepers are going to make mistakes. Theirs are just remembered a whole lot more than Kai Havertz's, mm -hmm. okay? So I, I just I don't really understand that whole type of throwing it, it, that uh, wrench into things 
um, from a culture perspective uh, when, you know, Aaron Ramsdale was never the type that was going to rest on his laurels, mm-hmm. right? He was never the type that was going to be like, yeah, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what I did today. I don't care if I, no. you know, didn't prevent a single goal and actually gave up a goal. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep my number one spot tomorrow. He never thought that way. It's true. He's never going to think that way. Ramsdale is built from the cloth of always having a chip on his shoulder. And I applauded him for that even when he, you know, we, we made fun of the transfer fee that he was mm. signed for. We made fun of quite a bit around it saying, ah, he is still a young goalkeeper. I just, it's not in one camp and in the other. It's just looking at the roster mm-hmm. and saying that that was the place where you needed to commit, mass, not massive capital, but a lot of capital. Mm-hmm. I really do feel like it just kind of threw things for a loop. I'm not saying he's million. lost the locker room, Arteta, right? I'm not saying anything of that nature, but I, I feel like Ramsdale is, is kind of like, what what the hell did I do? He's still going to put his head down and play, mm. but I feel like there's riffs. There are riffs. It's true. Um, so And Ramsdale is a keeper that wants to be called up for the England Euros. And he sees Nick exactly. Pope on the other side, on the bench actually, not even on the other side right now because David Raya is on yeah. the other side. And he must be thinking, that man is going to be ahead of me next to Pickford. And that is embarrassing mm-hmm. right now to be in his mind because he doesn't deserve that. He's got the level to be called up for England. I completely agree with what you're saying. And what you're saying is that getting David Raya to compete with uh, David Raya, uh, getting David Raya <laughs> to compete against yep. Aaron Ramsdale wasn't so mandatory. Then getting, instead of Raya, a striker to compete with Eddie and Katie that got the extension and with an absence of Jesus. Getting a winger Correct. to be next to Trossard, next to Saka, next to Martinelli. So I completely I, I'm, I completely agree, and I'm an advocate of those words just right there too. But let us know uh, if uh, let us know anything down below about the Premier League that you want us to, to mention about the top transfer targets next season for Man United at striker. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Rasmus Vitor yeah. Oland is yeah. there. But Chelsea at striker. Arsenal at striker. West Ham at striker. Let us know any mm. topic that you would wish for us to mention of the Premier League down below below but champions league predictions people a new round is upon us and an exciting one it is okay a lot of decision makings are gonna happen this round and let us know your predictions down below before you get to it in this video and like this video for more predictions predictions just like this one but on a tuesday on a tuesday we're gonna do this per Group Breton, okay? So on Group F on Tuesday, we have massive games with Dortmund, Newcastle United. What are you thinking here with this one, Breton? <laughs> Oof. Wow. Well, it's a massive um, one. <laughs> I, I, do we, do we want to talk about the classicer here? Do we want to wait until after this? Because my goodness, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Aiden Terzic should be the boss of Dortmund moving forward. I don't think they're going to get better under him. There, mm. I said it. Um, but I think this is a massive game, uh, very clearly. Uh, and Newcastle has a injury list the size of my uh, three-year-old's Santa Claus list. Um, and I just think Dortmund needs they, – they have to win this game. Mm-hmm. They're still obviously in the thick of it, but anything to rinse their mouth of that horrendous display – against Bayern Munich. And it could just be that Bayern outclassed them, but mm-hmm. this is a Bayern Munich. I mean, the worst thing that happened to Dortmund for the D-Classiker heading into this, the worst thing that happened 
was watching Bayern Munich get kicked out of the DFB Pokal by a third division side, Saarbrücken, because what did it do? It pissed every one of those players off. And they went out and they wiped the floor with Dortmund. So I'm going to say it. Um, Dortmund is vulnerable right now. Newcastle doesn't matter if you throw Matt Ritchie in there because Dan Burns injured. I think Newcastle's playing more like a, a, a good cohesive side. I'm going to say Newcastle is going to at least pull a point out here. I agree. At least pull a point. I agree. I yeah. think Newcastle at least are going to pull a point at Sinali Duna Park. But this is a decisive game. Both teams with four it points. Is. Dortmund and Newcastle. Mm -hmm. Dortmund must must win this game against Newcastle that are the weakest team compared to Issa Milan, PSG and Dortmund, okay? Yep. Okay, I said weakest team. You're not seeing it that tape, but I said with uh, those two fingers up, okay, because they're not the weakest. At home, I think yeah. they're the toughest of all those four teams, okay, Newcastle. But Newcastle right now, in their last 11 games, they only have one loss. And I loved, loved to see that Arsenal win, okay, because they deserve the totally. And this is underrated about Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe yep. has improved so many people within the, the Newcastle team instead of uh, signing others to replace them. Newcastle It's not a novelty. It's not a novelty, I, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, is, like, isn't, isn't that like a foreign concept? We were talking about Ten Hag before. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just think you're, you're absolutely right. Eddie Howe has improved players uh, from within. The same, same how like Big Ange has already, he's got Basuma and Saar, two cast-offs from uh, Antonio Conte. I'm going off on a tangent here, but I 100% agree with you. That's all I'm trying to say. It's true. Eddie Howe has got them playing. And, yeah. and, and Eddie Howe's got players that were there before he assigned, and those players are much better. And those players are Joe Ellington, Almiron, Callum Wilson, and Fabia Schaar. Four players yeah. that are key players for this team in terms of their results in the Premier League and Champions League. I wouldn't be surprised mm -hmm. if Newcastle wins this, but I'll go with a draw too, just like you. Okay. okay. Ace Milan PSG. Big Big game this one. What do you think with this? <laughs> well, it, it, it this is the for, this is a bad time for AC Milan to meet PSG. Uh, AC Milan is flagging. Mm -hmm. uh, they uh, have not played decent football in a little while. Uh, so, it, or at least inspired football, um, like the those first few fixtures uh, during the season. So they are vulnerable as well. So it might be at San Siro. But PSG is coming off of their first five-game win streak mm. uh, in almost a year's time. Uh, Mbappe looks good, but you know who looks even better? Warren Next Zaire year's Emily. golden boy, <laughs> Warren Zaire Emery, has two goals, four assists in his last five games. And just so you don't have to, I double-checked his birth date. And, yeah, he's still 17 years old, Alex. Uh, <laughs> so he's got two goals in his the last two games. And then before that, he had... Four assists in three games. So, I, I love to see it, um, but at the same time, it, the Raw scenario are coming in after losing to Udinese, after Rafa Liao having a little bit of a, a throwdown on the sideline uh, with Pioli, uh, he, him not using Christian Pulisic at all, uh, and I, they're winless in four. I don't know. Uh, uh, the, the only good thing for them going right now is that this is at San Siro. Mm -hmm. That's it. But I think PSG wins this. 
Um, I, I agree. I'm, I'm worried. I agree. I think PSG I agree. wins this. Well said with what you said about those five wins. You can feel it. And PSG mm-hmm. right now with Mbappe, Warren Zahir Emery, Luis Enrique Machap here, you can get the sense of they're going upwards. And they are dark horses in the Champions League, people. I believe they're going to the quarterfinals and maybe semifinals too if they don't go against a team like Real Madrid, Barca, or Man City, okay? That those are the mm-hmm. big, the big, the big, the big boogeyman for anyone, Man City. But yes, I think clearly after the Ballon d'Or ceremony, Mbappe, he's got a villain eyesight, okay? When he looks at Messi with that Ballon d'Or title. And I believe there's no Ronaldo and no Messi in Europe, but there's Mbappe, Haaland, and Jude Bellingham right now. And I believe mm-hmm. Mbappe knows that if he gets the Euros and the Champions League, game over. And the first Champions League ever in PSG history. If that happens, okay, the team that plays in a Farmers League, the team that always buys the players to win the league, no, they buy the players not to win the Champions League too. So that's what Mbappe, that's what he wants to do this season. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I do believe and I agree with you that they're going to beat AC Milan in this game. And well said. And Zayed Emery, he's going to be called up for France. This month, yeah. okay, this month, Oof. 17, Just. put Chouameni and Saïd Emery with Kamavinga. That's going to be the yeah. starting midfield in the Euros. You'll see. Rabiot's underrated, it's, but come on, Saïd Emery's uh, so good. Oof, to so be good. called up at 17 years old. Uh, let's, um, okay, so the last 17-year-old probably to be called up by Le Bleu. I don't know, was Kylian Mbappe 17 when he was called up? Uh, uh, must possibly, I'll have to look this up. I don't think he's the youngest, no. though, if he gets to. But he could be, yeah. He probably could not. be. No. But let's wait and see. Okay. Group yeah. G, so this is a, a bit mm. of a different one in terms of vibes here. But Red Star against RB Leipzig. What are we feeling here? <laughs> well, you know what? This is in Belgrade. And RB Leipzig is coming off of two losses. And this last loss, I have really no explanation for. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, everybody just looked tepid. It, they looked um, not as confident as, uh, as previously. Uh, they figured out Xavi Simmons, maybe. I have no clue. One thing I do know for sure is they got to figure out their goalkeeping because Giannis Blazwich is not your guy uh, and will not be your guy in the future. But Belgrade, um, I think they have a couple ballers, uh, notably Kings Kangwa, who is really, really fun to watch. Um, but I, I still think Leipzig is going to use this as a bounce back. They're coming off of two losses and they are going to be ready to rip some people to shreds. Uh, whether or not they can do that, that's a different question. But I think uh, we'll see the return of Simmons. And I think I think Benjamin Sesko should get the start in this one. Mm-hmm. He deserves it. Let him run rampant and see if he can actually make that spot his own. Um, and, uh, you know, start Sesko up top with Openda. Let's get crazy. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see it. Those but I think mate. Leipzig will win this. Unreal that you're mentioning those two players when they sell in Kunku this summer okay but yes i was quite uh i was quite surprised with them losing against mines i wasn't expecting that especially after they win the last weekend six nil their result six nil okay they they won rb leipzig but yes going with what you said after selling in kunku after selling vardiol after selling shabazlai they now have seifald they have open the xavi simmons on loan that he had his first Champions League goal and assist the last round. And I fully expect mm-hmm. now they to beat Red Star and to end top three in the Bundesliga this season right now. That is my choice. Yep. RB Leipzig to win 
this game away against uh, Belgrade. Man City young boys. Okay. I think this is a... I don't want to be disrespectful towards young boys, but I think Man City are going <laughs> to win in the Etihad. That It is true. Etihad is now a fortress. We say that about the St. James Park with Newcastle, but Etihad with Man City is 100% one of the biggest fortresses in world of football. 21 home wow. wins in a row. Like the best Ooh. ever in Premier League history. One of the best Premier League sites ever going against our young yeah. boys. Come on. It's got to be. <laughs> Man well, City. I'm... I- I think we need to start a petition to actually change Manchester City's name to Jeremy Doku FC. Ah. Because what a performance from him. I love Pep Guardiola. Mm-hmm. I mean, he said it correctly. I don't even know what he's going to do. I love it. I love not knowing what he's going to do and how he's going to make a difference. And uh, for those that don't know, uh, he becomes, if I'm not mistaken, mm. uh, he becomes only the eighth in the last 20 plus years. Uh, eighth player, Premier League player, to register a poker of assists, and um, this this is a twenty what twenty one year old twenty uh, one year yep. old who just landed in one of the biggest clubs. I'm sorry, the club that just won the treble, uh, and uh, immediately European. he goes to four assists, has a goal on his own, and um, we're looking at. Players like Paul Pogba, we're looking at Santi Cazorla, we're looking at Fabregas, we're looking at Dennis Bergkamp. I just had a lot of Arsenal players that have done this poker of assists thing. Jeremy Doku now joins all of them. So I just have to say that that was one of the more entertaining um, displays from anyone. Mm-hmm. Anyone in the Premier League this season, no, you, individually. You're saying it right. Mentioning Jeremy Doku and entertain, entertaining in the same sentence makes total sense. <laughs> and I want to—I completely agree. Jeremy Doku yeah. for 60 million pounds will be seen as one of the biggest bargains of the last su- last summer transfer window. Best under 20, best one of the best under 23 players right now in football. And Jeremy Doku mm-hmm. is one of the best dribblers in football right now at under 23. Four assists. One goal, and right now, season stats, it's 12 games, three goals, six assists for Jeremy Doku. That has just arrived next to Phil Foden, next to Alvarez, next to Haaland, next to Rico Lewis, all under 23. (laughs) Insane. And Jeremy Doku just landed in Man City, and I think it's undoubtable, like undoubtable, like no doubt, Jeremy Doku is fucked that he's been better than Marcus Rashford since he's landed at Man City, okay? The best winger in Manchester right now, Jeremy Doku, okay? So that's that's the bold set of statements that he's doing, and he's just Uh arrived for 60 million pounds, people. And Rodri, too. It's worthy to mention, too. Rodri is unbeaten in each of his last 38 games for Man City. Absolutely vital. Best CDM in the world, playing under Pep Guardiola. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, with those 38 games, he won four trophies and all that too. In which there's a Premier League and a Champions League trophy in in, in those two. Unreal. Unreal. How can that happen? I I mean, just to to throw young boys a bone here, because this (laughs) is at the Etihad. I mean, maybe Man City will rest Erling Haaland. In fact, I think that they should, since they've pretty much already got their foot in the knockout round door. 
Uh, but Erling Holland apparently, you know, rolled his ankle or something like that. This would be a uh, good time to give him a little rest. Uh, but we'll we'll see if you know Erling Holland also wants to play every minute of every game and score every goal. So I think young boys are going to be in it. I think they'll put up a good fight because they've actually been in really good form, at least in the Swiss Super League. Mm. Um, so. <laughs> But no, uh, Manchester City is uh, Group G leader. They are also going to be Group G winner. It's true. Three and three. It's going to be four and four, I think so too. Group E now with mm. Atletico against Celtic. Quite mm. a good, de- not a good decision. Uh, uh, it's it's going to have lovers. It's going to have haters. But the truth is Diego Simeone has just yeah. extended his contract with Atletico de Madrid. And it's going to be until 2027. But it's absolutely yeah. mad that El Cholo Simeone has been at the club La Cocholeros since 2011. And the truth yeah. is, at times, he has leveled with Real Madrid and Barca. One of the strongest Barca teams or one of the strongest Real teams ever in the history of the game. So, Simeone, keep going bold to your... Uh, keep going bold your way, okay? Because Jean-Felix, yeah. that wasn't the right way for him. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and I it, think Atletico is going to win this game against Celtic. And with a Griezmann think, goal. I think <laughs> yeah okay okay i think you're right um i mean this is at the wanda uh but they did they did lose a shocking game to las palmas and i'm just saying while it might sound the same you never know luis palma who plays for celtic might decide he wants to score a few goals at the wanda um Could happen. we'll see what happens so you see what i did there you lost palmas who <laughs> yeah, they lost to and luis palma uh, anyway, no, he's a Hon- that Honduran player I was telling you about. Uh, that that he's kind of like their new Jota. Five you know, million. Um, because yeah, he's been phenomenal for them. Came over from I think it was Aris mm-hmm. in um, in the in the Greek Super League. Um, and uh, I'll be I'll be excited to see him when Concacaf qualifying rolls around. Even though the U.S., Mexico, and Canada aren't a part of it, but. That's probably goes without saying Atleti will rule the day at Wanda and they'll want to get that bad taste out of their mouth after losing to a team they probably shouldn't have. And by the way, Los Palmas, good on you because they're newly promoted and they are playing well right now. They are pretty far up there in the table, at least a whole lot higher than a newly promoted team uh, probably should be. And a lot of people remember former Barcelona target Alberto Molero, who's mm-hmm. back healthy. He's playing well again, and uh, we'll see where his uh, his future lies. But good on Las Palmas for uh, unsettling the tippy top of that La Liga table. It's true, so Las Palmas are not looking like Burnley. That at home turf, they're oh. their first team oh. ever in home turf in the Premier League to have six consecutive losses in the first pre- six Premier League home games. That's Burnley stat with Vincent Company, a student of Pep Guardiola. <sighs> but I'm going with Atletico in this game. And at Lazio yeah. Feyenoord and Groupie, I am going with Feyenoord in this game, okay? Ooh. I am betting on Santiago Jimenez against Mauricio Sarri. And I believe a lot in this Arne Slot team uh, that will have a goal of Santiago Jimenez in this game too. And Gertruida, yeah. what a player for Feyenoord too. Unreal. That's a good shout. That's a good shout. Um, I, I think I, I'm going to say draw on this one because Maurizio Sarri needs something. Uh, they've lost two of their last three. Uh, but if you're going to point out Gertruda, uh, I got to point out once again, Kelvin Stanks. He leads the Champions League right now in uh, chances created 
per game with 4.7 chances created. So uh, Feyenoord is back in the wins after losing a shock ear to his E game. Um, so I, I think they're gonna they're gonna. I don't think they'll put the sword to Lazio, but they'll they'll play pretty dang hard. Get out of there with a draw. Um, but I definitely see Atleti and Feyenoord going through in this group. And the last one of the of Tuesday is gonna be Group H with uh, Porto against Antwerp. I'm going to go with yeah. Porto in this game, in Stadio de Dragão. Come on. They even beat after it. that loss? <laughs> even <laughs> after that shocking loss to Strill, no one was expecting yeah. it. Uh, but Strill have some good players. Rodrigo Gomes, João Marques, two youngsters that, if you don't know the Portuguese league, please pay attention to these two Strill youngsters. But yes, Porto, mm-hmm. they're going to beat Antwerp because they need an answer towards that loss. And they want to they wanna qualify in the Champions League as early as possible. And they'll do yeah. that against Antwerp. Porto. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I think Porto will win this as well. Um, even though Antwerp did have a big win over Genk. Um, I believe it's Union Saint-Gilloise. And it's... Um, who else? It's Anderlecht is back up near the top of the Belgian tables. Because I think what we're seeing is Royal Antwerp's having a tough time dealing with the the multifaceted campaigns, right? Mm-hmm. Multiple campaigns. They don't have a big, deep enough roster, so they're really digging deep here. But Porto's, uh, once again, I think they're going to come in pretty angry at that loss, and uh, they're going to take it out on and, Royal Antwerp. And Ivan Nielsen had a hat-trick in, his last, in the last round of the Champions League for Porto, True. and it's Taremi with Ivan Nielsen now, the duo at strikers. Yeah. So no more doubts yeah. with the duo at strikers for Porto. And Sergio Cossisão. Quite a good, quite a good coach, Breton. Quite a good yeah. coach for Porto uh, in the Champions League too. Uh, Shakhtar Barca. I think there's no surprises here too, right? <laughs> Barca yeah, to win no, this. No, I don't think so. Barca to I, win this. I just this. have to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. I think Barca to win this. But do you have a? I, I've been seeing a lot more negative attention, at least on X, which I know is not the place to go for positive news. Uh, but I'm seeing a lot of negative attention around Jao Felix. Um, I, I was just want to know kind of your take on it. It's basically him, them saying that he he once again does not seem like he fits in the system. He's had some very good games, and then he's been a little bit despondent, I guess, or maybe a lack of clarity in his play over the last few times. I just that's what I read. It's not necessarily what I think, but I know you watch him mm-hmm. quite frequently would you agree with any of their negativity or do you think it's all just bluster watching every Barca game this season what I can say is Mm -hmm. the injuries of Pedri Frankie de Jong and the poor form of Lewandowski is making people assume that okay I don't think Sean Felix is having a bad stinch but he's not looking his best but I don't think anyone in this Barca team right now currently is looking at their best with their form right now. Yep. Maybe Ronald Araujo, that he scored the 92nd winner against Real Sociedad. And Ronald Araujo, with no injuries, is one of the best center packs in the world. And having Conde, Ronald yeah. Araujo, Christensen, is a luxury in my eyes. And Barca have one of the strongest Barca teams I've seen in the last five years with Xavi. They got to guide this team towards success and a back-to-back La Liga win and a Champions League success doing better than last season that they got eliminated in the in the group stages. But they had beaten yeah. an unbeaten Real Sociedad team in their last 19 games. Okay, Barca did yeah. that. And it was not easy until the end. Until the end. And I want to mention yeah. Ter Stegen. I saw the Ballon d'Or ceremony. The Yashin Trophy goes to Emiliano Martinez. But the best goalkeeper in the world right now for me is 
Ter Stegen. Maybe Allison is in the discussion against Ter Stegen, but the critical saves he's having, like, mm-hmm. he's the unspoken hero of Barca. Oh, and he's, he's four he's, years he's, left in his contract, too. So he's going to be yeah. there the next three years. And, and he's going to do Araujo amazing may, saves. Araujo may have scored the game-winning goal, but uh, Ter Stegen is the reason why they were in that game at the Onionta. So I, uh, I agree with you that uh, Ter Stegen was huge in that derby. I feel bad. We'll talk about Real Sociedad in a second because mm-hmm. Sociedad has actually played very well against the three best teams uh, in in La Liga, you know, Atleti, mm-hmm. uh, Real Madrid, and Barca, but they've there are well, also three losses. And in the uh, Champions League, they're, have this season, they're playing so. quite well, too. And with Barca, yeah. the best midfielder this season of Barca, the underrated one, I'll say, Fermin Lopez. But the best midfielder, mm. Gavi. And against Real Sociedad, mm-hmm. most tackles, most duels, like, and most touches. Against a team with Zubi Mendy, mm. Braiz Mendes, like highly active midfielders. And Merino. So Gavi, keep going Bold, the hero, the leader <laughs> of this team at 19. So I'm going to go the with Barca, <laughs> the Bulldog, Barca winning this game. So now on Wednesday, we have Group C here with Napoli against Union Berlin. And what Ooh. I got to say about Union Berlin is Union Berlin with Bonucci in 12 games. Do you know how many wins they have, Britain? Zero. Zero wins. Absolutely none. Zero wins. None. Do you know how many draws they have, Breton? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's still zero. Zero. So, price oh. is right, Breton. Zero, zero, 12, <laughs> Union Berlin. So, Bonucci uh. hasn't added value to a team that is in the Champions League. It's absolutely yeah, mad. It's, it's mad. It's atrocious. <laughs> it's, a, it's absolutely atrocious. They're lucky they have two wins uh, in the Bundesliga. Um, because that they opened the season with, but all, you know, since then it has been all downhill and I, I honestly can't see any hope for them, mm-hmm. uh, in this game, even without Victor Osimhen, because Giacomo Raspadori has three goals and an assist in his last four games. First free kick Kids of still only 20, yeah, 23 years old. I mean, you saw Elmas, you saw, uh, you saw, I mean, Kavardskilia is still doing pretty well. And obviously this is in Naples. So I, you know, the only real positive thing here for Union who need, absolutely need a win because their fixtures beyond this look absolutely terrible too. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only positive is Napoli has not been very good at home so far this season. Mm -hmm. They've lost three times. Um, uh, Believe it or not, they're dominant away. They're unbeaten away. They've won six and seven away. And I think, you know, not lost at all. So um, I think that's the only real saving grace. But they're relying on guys, you know, like... David Dotro Fofana, who's on loan. Uh, Brennan Aronson, who is, I'm going to say it right now, he's, he's too small. He's, he's not looking good at all. And I, 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 I'm, we can talk about that at a later date. Uh, but there is nothing necessarily looking up for Union Berlin. And, and a lot of people thought about this mm-hmm. because, or thought that this day would come at some point because if you look at their past two seasons, they outperformed their metrics, their analytics, their XG, whatever you want to call it. They outperformed it so starkly, like so much that it was virtually impossible that the reversion to the mean at some point was not going to come down. But you would have at least expected, like you mentioned, a draw or two Mm -hmm. in 12 games. And Napoli is not going to give them that. 
So no. Napoli's winning. And Napoli beat them in the last round. Uh, the, in the last round, mm-hmm. la- round three, it was in Union yeah. Berlin's house, one nil for Napoli. So I think Oof. Napoli are going to have this win at home, and they're going to solidify themselves as the second place of this group with Real Madrid in first and Braga getting Europa League. I think this group will be finished. Group, I think Group C will be finishing with Real Madrid, Napoli, and Braga. And I'm so happy that Braga is going to get Europa League with all this. Uh, I don't think they'll be beating Real Madrid, by no means. <laughs> but I think we're going to see Alvaro Cello, Al Musrati, Ricardo Orte, really good players showcasing their talents to the, uh, to the world because everybody oh, watches whoa. Champions League. So, yeah. <laughs> what about your Primera Liga um, goal scorer, top goal scorer in Simon Banza? Good player. Uh, Good player, bro. Yeah. Abel Ruiz, Simon Banza. He, hmm, I think if, if uh, he can score, but I think the yeah. my my player to score in the Bernabeu is Alvar Jalo. And I think Alvar Jalo could be called up for Spain. I know. I know if Grimaldo doesn't even get called up for Spain, who does? This guy saying Alvar Jalo of Braga gets called up. Look, people, trust me. He's underrated, okay? He's going to leave Braga soon, and he's a player that you should be watching in Primera Liga. Alvar Jalo, okay? He's very versatile and very good, okay? And with Real Madrid, I just wanted to say Nico Paz, okay? We're starting to see a lot of Ardo Guler, but Nico Paz is getting a lot of propaganda, and he deserves that. One of the best talents from La Fabrica the past three years that I've seen, and yeah, he's a rising star coming up right now. Okay, so absolutely. Just wanted to mention that in the Real Madrid talk, because Nico Paz, he's he's growing, he's going up. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Um, well, uh, you're Real Madrid too. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. I mean, we're going to talk about Group D. You want to talk about Group D next? Group D, the un like I'm not going to say the unknown dark horse group, but like this is the unknown group of death group D right now mm. for me. Okay, so Real Sociedad. Benfica. This is a Benfica team with zero points in the Champions League. This is a Benfica mm. team that is heavy reliance on a 19-year-old that is Roe Neves. Benfica needs something different in the Champions League. And if it happens, I wouldn't be surprised, okay? I'm saying it here first. Real Sociedad lost their first game uh, in 19 against Barca. They were unbeaten 19 games. And Benfica con Roe Neves. Benfica with hope. That Roger Schmidt can do something different. Something can happen. Yeah. But yes, I'm going to go with a draw in this game. <laughs> I'm here. You're going to go with a draw? I'm going with it. That's I'm, bold, mate, I think. And that's bold. It is. It, it is. And I, I, I don't know. If you're saying draw with Benfica, I'm going to say Real Sociedad bounces back and wins this. And mm-hmm. I, I, have a, I have kind of a bigger question at hand with this because if Benfica loses... You're looking, as you mentioned, uh, this will be four losses in four games if they lose this one. And Roger Schmidt, I get he won last season, right? I get <laughs> they they outperformed and played phenomenally in the Champions League last season and probably had in them uh, to go to the semifinals, believe it or not. Defense of um, Yeah, uh, but if, if he sets back so severely in the Champions League, is there any reason to be like, Worried? Yeah, I, I'm there not is. saying Roger Schmidt. No, no, no. Okay. There is. There is. Like, do heads do heads have to roll? Yes, yes. But would Roger Schmidt actually be on the chopping block? If and that's he would. A, he would cost, uh, it's rumors. I don't know if it's true. I just want to state to the people at home. But it's rumors in Portugal news that Roger Schmidt to be sacked from Benfica it will cost Benfica 27 million. 
He was extended this summer to become the all-time top earner in terms of managers ever in Portuguese league. Rui Costa made that call. So it's not going to be an easy detach if it's going to happen. But if it does, I'm just going to point out that I would go bold with Marcelo Gallardo. I don't even know how Marcelo Gallardo doesn't have a team. How is this possible? And other names, Isabel Freire. Abel Freire is mm-hmm. very thrown around in Portuguese mm-hmm. news. And even mm-hmm. like Ruben Amorim, we, we didn't mention Sporting in this episode. They're top in the league. But I'm seeing Ruben Amorim's name popping up in the Man United talk all of a sudden. Yeah. So the well, Portuguese uh, managers, uh, I got to say, we're lucky though. Like Roger Schmidt yeah. at Benfica, Sergio Conceição at Porto, and Ruben Amorim at Sporting. I know Schmidt's not having the best form night right now at Benfica, but they're top managers. Okay, for a mm-hmm. league that is competing to be a top five league so yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's well, we're doing well, good a, with that just as a reference point um you mentioned 27 million i think you said mm-hmm. uh if they were to sack roger schmidt um i believe it would only cost manchester united about 15 to 16 million mm-hmm. uh if they were to sack eric ten Hag. so that that shows you how much money was thrown at roger schmidt well um, said, and man. you know well said. Uh, right rightfully Rightfully so, I guess, in those early returns. Last season was phenomenal for them. Uh, he's also helped uh, bring on Xiao Neves. Um, so exactly. there's, there's still a lot of positive there. I just think, my goodness, that first loss, that first loss in the Champions League, and I hate to tie it back to the Antonio Silva red card and all that stuff, but it just it felt like at that point in time that UCLA, UCLA wow, that's a college in the United States, that UCL campaign mm-hmm. just seemed doomed after that first loss, once the, the mystique of the Estadio da Luz uh, was kind of broken for a second. True. So I, hopefully they get it back because you know what? All it takes is another win or two. They could go into the Europa League. Um, uh, they might even be able to sneak into second place. Me. You never know. It's hard. It's I hard. think I think even Salzburg against Inter, if Salzburg get a draw mm. against Inter, they get four points. It's automatically yeah. like Benfica need to have a draw and a win. And with the amount yeah. of games that they're going to have after, it's this game is detrimental. If Benfica are going to the Europa League, if Benfica are doing the miracle of going through in the Champions League, they got to beat Sociedad away. And that is a yeah. bold game to do. And seeing Barca do it, Borola Roger Schmidt with João Neves, the engine of Benfica at 19. And he's not leaving the Portuguese national team. What a quality player he is. But... Going with the other oh. side, Red Bull Salzburg Inter. Yes. <laughs> How are you thinking? I, I, I love Salzburg's eleven of prospects, but Inter Milan <laughs> is too strong. Uh, Inter <laughs> Milan will head to Salzburg. Uh, they, they just took the top of the earth. They've reaffirmed themselves at the top of the Serie A. Lautaro Martinez has twelve Serie A goals in eleven games. The next best is Victor Osimhen with six. So he's double the second best. <sighs> In Syria, we're not playing in Syria, but this is not a very convincing Salzburg side to me. While they are littered with phenomenal players, phenomenally high potential players, um, Inter Milan is just too good. Uh, so I think Inter Milan will go to Salzburg, and I I'm gonna say it again. I don't think Gerhard Struber should be the guy to lead Salzburg forward. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens. You love that. You love uh, we'll to see what say happens. that. <laughs> I uh, do. I, I just I saw him saw him too much in MLS. I just <laughs> d- wasn't right for the Red Bulls and isn't right moving forward for Salzburg. But he's part of that Red Bull ethos. So no, we'll I see mean, what happens. I, I, but 
and right now, Group Group D has two teams with seven points: Real Sociedad and Inter. And I think Inter mm-hmm. they want to they want to finish first in this group, and I think they're gonna do just that. I think Hoko Simic could be scoring another goal. He had a, he was quite involved in the last game in in uh, San Siro, mm-hmm. and he played quite well in my view. So, but yes, Inter Milan, Inter in Serie A, the most goals scored in the Serie A, most uh, less conceded goals in Serie A. The best team top to bottom in Serie A. So they're favorites to win Serie A. And they're one of our courses to win the Champions League too. So I'm going to say Inter to win this game. Group A now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah group A, the Fermat mm-hmm. United fans. This week, it's going to be... They're in the limbo now. They're in the limbo now, Man United. Or it's going to go very bad this season. Or it's going to go very mm-hmm. good upon no f- very good from this week onwards okay because they can't fix what has been done but Copenhagen Man United what are we thinking here yeah. <laughs> well Onana saved their hide the last time That's against true. Copenhagen and that was at Old Trafford they struggled immensely for like you know the majority of the game versus Fulham um, and they can't really seem to get a forward uh, to score a goal so I think believe it or not Copenhagen has a chance here um, I, I don't think it's going to wind up a draw uh, at all. I don't think that it benefits either of them. So I think it's going to be cutthroat because this is a fight for, in my opinion, for Europa League. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Copenhagen still has it, but how interesting would it be if it's a Hoyland brother that scores a goal against <laughs> Manchester United to give them the win in Copenhagen? Um, it would be absolutely insanity. And I know one of the Hoyland brothers got the start in the Superliga match this uh, uh, mid or this weekend, so we'll see if he gets it again midweek against his brother. Um, but you know, if United's back in backed into a corner, they need some goals. I can't think of a better time to just wake up and play great football. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's not that easy, but this is exactly the type of fixture, obviously, that Manchester United should win. Um, it's just it's really alarming and challenging. So uh, to to think that they will. Uh, so I, I'm going to say uh, another Bruno Fernandez uh, match winner late in the game. Manchester United will win this game. I like it. I like your optimism on this one. And Copenhagen is not a bad team by no means, okay? No. And don't be surprised if Rooney Bargy has a masterclass <laughs> late in the game against Man United or uh, Oscar Winter Hoyland scoring against his older brother. That would be unreal if it happens. But I'm not going to say that Man United are going to be winning this easily. I think Man United against Copenhagen away, it's a mandatory win for Eric Ten Hag. He's not doing well in the Premier League, but it doesn't mean that in the Champions League, you got to be out. And if they don't win Mm -hmm. against Copenhagen away, Galatasaray will be going through in second. Galatasaray, ahead of Man United. Which Which you called. (laughs) And Bayern Munich first too, no doubt. So Man United needs to do something different. And this is the game to show every doubter that it can happen. Sasha Bui, Mm -hmm. Icardi, uh, Mertens, Zaha, a team full of stars with Galatasaray. And if they go through against a Man United team, they're going to be mentioned worldwide. So that's what they're going to see. And I think it's going to happen too. But uh, I'll go Man United on this one. So, And Bayern Galatasaray, we're going here. So after a historic Bayern game, Mm -hmm. right? Historic. 4-0 win in their Classic against Dortmund. Massive. Unreal. Massive. 
They just they they have oh, their um what is it? Goretzka's never lost to him. Uh I mean Harry Kane scoring mm-hmm. a hat trick in his first classicer, which I don't think has ever been done. Is that that's got to be right, well, right? Um I, I honestly like it's back-to-back Bundesliga hat tricks for Harry exactly. Kane. I mean it's he's the he's the first player. Harry Kane is the first player to score 15 goals in his first 10 Bundesliga games and just Two episodes ago, we were talking about the now-injured Serhu, Serhu Girassi, mm-hmm. um, and now Harry Kane has taken that over. Um, and he's only got one penalty, I think, in that whole you know goal haul. Uh, Leroy Sané is, has been an absolute beast for them this season. Um, it's just, mm-hmm. it, it, it was such a big game that Dortmund forgot to show up for. It was the first time that Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich were unbeaten heading into the Klassiker uh, since, I think, 2015. Not the first time ever since 2015. So these were two great sides, and Dortmund just did not show up, or Bayern was that good. This, either I'm going to be say something counterintuitive here. Mm. The same way Saarbrücken, the loss to Saarbrücken, uh, was historic for them and and sent Bayern out of the DFB Pokal and Harry Kane's probably like, man, that was the trophy I was definitely going to win. Dang it, <laughs> you know? Uh, not anymore, and he was sat on the bench for that game. Um, maybe maybe this 4-0 win in the Classicer actually plays into the favor of a team that uh, needs to go into the Allianz Arena and stamp their second-place uh, you know, metal mm-hmm. and Galatasaray is, I think, a a giant, not a giant, but a uh, um, oh, I don't know something that's horse? a little bit smaller than a giant. Yeah, they're a dark. They are a dark horse. I mean, they they continue to win. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Fenerbahce just lost their first game in a long Trazen time sport, recently. Yeah. They remain a ridiculous team to beat. They've got one loss, I think, in their last twenty five competitive games, um, and it was to Bayern mm. at, away. So they're coming in with a chip on their shoulder. The Allianz Arena hasn't exactly been a fortress so far this season. And Mora Akardi uh, has the most expected goals, even though he hasn't, has only scored two. He's got the most expected goals amongst anybody in the Champions League right now. So I think you've got a lot of favorable outcomes here, favorable animal analytics. It's just whether or not Galatasaray shows up on the day. I think they're going to pull out a draw here. I think they're going to get a draw, and they're going to solidify second place for themselves over the last two fixtures, and they will go through in second place. That's a very bold a. take, mate. That's a very bold we'll take, Singalatasaray, to get a draw, because right now, mm. Harry Kane has had his third hat-trick in the Bundesliga in 10 games, and Harry Kane is definitely a top-five player in the world at, at Bayern Munich, and I love that he said Crazy. three goals scored like unglorious bastards, taught us okay say it like this okay he said he put his three fingers not like this like this okay please watch the movie and harry kane right now has 20 goals eight assists in 17 games for club and country he's in an elite form and i gotta ask you breton right now Mm. the right now the top goal scorer of 2023 is going with Christian Ronaldo with 44 goals, Holland with 44 goals, Harry Kane with 43. Who's going to be the top goal scorer, in your opinion, of 2023, Breton? Well, you know, world soccer used to do that weighting that they would have. It'd be like 1.5 if you're in the Bundesliga and the Champions League versus probably what would just be a 1x weighting. So I'm going to say Harry Kane. Um, Harry, Harry Kane Ahead of Holland and Ronaldo. Again. 
That's bold. Um, Damn. It, it, it is bold. It is bold. But Harry Kane, uh, I mean, from a league perspective, has taken a step. Um, it is a step down, <laughs> right, from the Premier League. It is. It is. I, I think we're gonna get used to seeing um, tricks from Harry Kane, and I think Erling Holland. I mean, we we often said like, how do you beat that first season that Erling Holland had in the Premier League? He's still going to score a lot of goals. I just don't think he's going to score as many as Harry Kane. Um, and Cristiano Ronaldo is still scoring <laughs> goals. Absolutely. Um, I just think if we're going from a waiting perspective, what Harry Kane is doing right now, going to a different country, uh, it, it's it's pretty impressive stuff. It's very very impressive. impressive stuff. It's uh, definitely impressive. Yeah. Quite impressive is to f- score 400 goals after the age of 30. Ronaldo did that. I know. I think Ronaldo I is, is on a mission right now to be the top goal scorer of 2023 and to have a positive year in 2024, especially being what 800 ranked in the Ballon d'Or. Even just the fact that there's a ranking for Ronaldo when he's out of the top 30, and that's like the only player in world of football that we saw his ranking out of the top 30 it's just yeah, mad it's, like the hate that he gets it's, it's just mad it's just a sh- it's just a shame i mean harry kane scoring three goals against dortmund in the classicer <laughs> uh, if he got in against Saarbrücken, i don't think they would have lost and i'm sure he would have put a couple goals into his name um oh, but I you know there's there's yeah I, I, I think there's a big difference i'm not i'm not taking anything away from what cristiano ronaldo is doing i just think um there will be a flurry of games. Oh wait, but they're going to have the winter break because they actually have the winter break. Mm-hmm. They're they're not they're not um, crazy misog not misogynistic masochistic uh, uh, you know players and owners like the Premier League where they literally play what like fifteen games over winter break and the, Boxing Day and yeah, New Year's and the festive fixtures and all that good stuff. Uh, the Germans actually shut things down for a while, so. Um, you know what? Maybe Cristiano Ronaldo from a pure goals without taking waiting. I mean, he's probably going to win it. Uh, hey, I, I actually don't know. What is be, El Nasser's? It could what be do the they case. look like? I don't know what the fixtures it, it look could, like. It could be the case, okay? And to be fair, I'm just going to say this. If Cristiano Ronaldo, instead of going to Man yeah. United, would have gone to Bayern Munich, I 100% mm-hmm. think he could do the 15 mm-hmm. goals scored in 10 games in the Bundesliga that Kane's doing. 100% because he's one of the best finishers. No, the best finisher ever in world of football, in my view. But going with the Champions League, continuing on. The last group that we're going to mention here is Group B that has Arsenal yep. against Sevilla. An Arsenal team that has lost two games in a row last week. And they need something yep. different. I'm going to go with Arsenal yep. winning this game. I think Bukayo Saka will appear. I think Martin Odegaard will appear because they need those stars. They need the stars to grab the game. And especially against West Ham, you felt that mm. not just Reese Nelson, it wasn't enough with Reese Nelson. It wasn't enough with a midfield with Fabio Vieira, Kai Havertz, Jorginho. That was such yeah. a bad midfield in terms of duels. One, so bad. Yeah. West Ham just grabbed the game out of their fingers and they just did fantastic. So I think Arsenal have to win this game and they will beat the Sevilla team with Sergio Ramos. I'm I'm going to agree with you. I'm mm. going to agree with you. Uh Sevilla also needs a a win. I mean, Arsenal mm-hmm. <clears throat> we've got red flags out there. We've got <laughs> we've got the alarms, the, the sirens blaring because they've lost two in a row. Um Sevilla has managed just one win. One win in the last 8 games. Ace. Now a lot of draws, a lot of draws in there, but their only win was against a much lower league side in the Copa del 
Ray, and they're going to the Emirates. Ooh. So I think <laughs> if there's a time to put a beat down on somebody, um, Arsenal can get some frustrations out in this game, and that's assuming that Arteta doesn't overthink this um, and and put out the wrong uh, thing. The 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 real issue right now is the depth in that roster, right? Mm-hmm. Party injured. Yep. They they need him. They need him. Um, it's true. And the, the the great thing about Arsenal is that they're uh, to to make things a little more positive than what we've been saying is they're really they're a really tough team to beat. I know they've lost two in a row, but even when they lose defensively, they're very very tough to beat. It's true. So um, they got that, good that's compact a, that's a big defense, plus defense. side moving forward. Good it, compact, it, exactly. good defense. And yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't think Sevilla is going to be blitzing them for two or three ga- two or three goals here. Um, and if Arsenal can, I don't know. I mean, they, they no, need better depth. Blitzing. They need better consist- consistency from their well, depth. Well, very well said. You're mentioning one of the biggest. I if not if 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 nobody here nobody here. Some of your listeners are in Portuguese, and you didn't watch the the West Ham Arsenal. And I commentated the West Ham Arsenal game here in Portugal mm-hmm. on Sports TV. Thank you, Sports TV, for making that happen. But my biggest worry was that Kai Havertz, Jorginho, uh, the, mm-hmm. the midfield with Fabio Vieira was a very weak midfield, okay? And Thomas Partey was felt his absence. And he's been more than yeah. 50 games absent for this Arsenal team. For people to have a perspective, Sergio Busquets, only 26 time in his career, has he justified <laughs> with injury absence. Okay, Rodri, only five games he's missed with injury absence. In the last three years, Partey has had more than 50 at Arsenal. So you said it, they need more options. And maybe the signing of Douglas Luiz in that last day of the transfer window that they didn't manage to get from Aston Villa, that would have changed Mm -hmm. a lot of outcomes. I think that could be the case. I think that could be the case, Bretton. Even would be starting maybe for Brazil. Because Casemiro is not looking good. Not looking yeah. good. Douglas Luiz, man. Yeah. Underrated. <laughs> it, it, and United is finally finding out why you don't spend, even though we have touted it as when when he is fit, when he's playing well, obviously Casemiro is one no, of the best on the planet. But when you spend as much as you do on somebody over 30 years old, sometimes this tends to happen. Bodies oh, break but down. I'm, but I'm um, 100% so, it's not so on Casemiro. On, for me, for me, I'm not no, on no, you no, with, no, with no. Casemiro. I think it's no, more on the no, chef. No. <laughs> but yes, I'm, I, I'm with you. It's it's uh, it's an interesting interesting one with to see what Man United and Arsenal and PSV Law, Law, a team that is very underrated. Law in Liga, yes. they're not doing too good. But last season, Seku Fofana, they were quite impressive. Really good team. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think uh, this is one of the ones where it's kind of like anyone in the comment section deserves to tell us I told you so. Um, <laughs> but they've been they've been slow runners, and I think what they looked at was they had a terrible start to season in Ligue 1. They mm-hmm. have since kind of stabilized themselves, um, and they looked at this as kind of a, whoa, we have to yeah, start fresh, uh, be good in a in a competitive scenario, and they they are they're unbeaten. Uh, in the league, but they have two away games on the horizon. Um, and I still think they have one of the most underrated defenders in all of Ligue 1, uh, in Facundo Medina, mm. uh, 24 years old, can play on the on the flank, but also center back, was phenomenal for them over the weekend. Um, but listen, PSV Eindhoven, um, they need it. They're just so fun to watch right now. 
Um, they've 11 wins in 11 games in the Eredivisie, uh, 41 goals scored in those games, five goals conceded. Uh, they had six different goal scorers in their last game. So they're getting it from all over the place. Um, and my love for Joey Veerman continues to exponentially rise, uh, day to day. Um, but they have not looked as convincing in the champions league against much harder competition. So this game is huge for PSV at Phillips Stadion, um, and Lone once again can play um, interrupter, disruptor, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it's uh, I, I still back PSV and Arsenal to go through here mm. in this in this group. It's bold right now, but PSV do really need they really need a win in this game right now. Group the group B has Arsenal with six points, Lone with five, Sevilla and PSV both with two points so both games are decisive for both teams Sevilla and PSV and I think look my prediction with this group until the end it's Sevilla is going to the Europa League <laughs> I don't know who's second I think PSV do have the strongest team to go second obviously with their head visa form but I think Sevilla will be going third in this group but let us know your well. choices down below in the comments down below in on YouTube let us know do you agree? Do you ag disagree with me and Breton? And please like this video if you're listening until now. Thank you for going bold yes. with these predictions videos because we always like to see you support here because you guys are going bold too with those comments in on YouTube. Yeah. But uh, wanted to mention in the podcast too, Leverkusen on my end, just saying oh. Leverkusen is unbeaten right now. 15 games, 14 wins, only one game. They didn't manage to win, and that was against Bayern Munich. 2-2 two, two game, and that was unreal. That was an unreal, one of the best games I've seen this season until now. From 2-0 to 2-2. Two, two. Wow. Well, so, and, wanted to mention it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, there also, I've got some other things here, just because we all need to keep proper tallies here, Alex. But they are 15 games without a loss, 14 wins. They have scored 54 goals. Whoa. 54 goals this season. They've conceded less than a goal per game this season, and they are the first team in the top five leagues. And I know that's that's a very um, mm -hmm. uh, very fluid statistic. What are the top five leagues? But they Bayer Leverkusen, Xabi Alonso's Bayer Leverkusen, are the first team in the top five leagues to score 50 plus goals this season. Um, they are just firing on all cylinders. I mean. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six players with double-digit goal involvements already this season. You've got Boniface, you've got Virts, Hoffman, Grimaldo, Frimpong, and Amin Adli, who has not even half the minutes played as the other players. And on top of that, you've got a guy, 21-year-old, like Adam Hlozek, um, who I think has, uh, let's see here, mm, like six goal involvements in two starts. It, it's it's absolutely bonkers how potent Xabi Alonso has made this offense. And I, I got to say it. I mean, the classicer this season very clearly is Bayer Leverkusen versus <laughs> Bayern Munich. It very clearly is that. It's the top one two versus race. Two. The top two. The top race. two. Right now. And, and that's before we even talked about, you know, Grimaldo. It just it's mm -hmm. it's bonkers how well they're playing and how fun, how absolutely fun. 
um, they are to watch. Oh, uh, so I, Chubby Alonso. I want to see him in the Champions League. Chubby yeah. Alonso ball with Grimaldo. He's got 15 games, seven goals, five assists. Boniface, a 20 million striker bought. 14 games, tw- 10 goals, six assists. Great. Florian Wirtz, yeah. a 19-year-old. More than 10 goal involvements for this Leverkusen team. They are title contenders, and they are they might win the Europa League. Yep. But if they if he went to the uh, semifinal last season and he didn't buy players, imagine now. Okay, with this team mm-hmm. much better. It's Roma, it's Liverpool, and it's Bayer Leverkusen, the top contenders to win Europa League. But we're mentioning and, and here. I, sorry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. sorry. The last thing I just wanted to say was the the only thing I need I think they need desperately um, in this upcoming transfer window is they need defensive depth. Um, they have great players. They got Hinkapi. They've got Kosanu. They've got Ta. But but top soba, but each and every one of those has had their uh, issues with staying healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so for them, because they play in a three center back system, uh, allowing Grimaldo and and Frimpong to like do their thing, um, I, I really feel they need another one in there. Hinkapi's just coming back from injury, so we'll see how long that lasts. But um, mm-hmm. I, it's not till February, but I've got that Leverkusen, um, got that Leverkusen Bayern Munich fixture already circled and if you want a nice little litmus test litmus test before that in early december less than a month from now you'll get leverkusen dortmund um and we'll see what they can do with that but i'm only sad alex that we might not see shabby alonso with leverkusen in the Champions League, because Xabi Alonso might be gone before then. A hundred percent. And I hope it's the Real Madrid, people. I really <laughs> hope it's the Real Madrid. <laughs> because, well, yeah. related to Real Madrid, now the most decorated player in Real Madrid history, Marcelo, yep. has done the impossible. Not the impossible, because Danilo has done it too, that's win the Libertadores and the Champions League. But he's the second player now, and Marcelo has won the Copa Libertadores for his boyhood club Tricolor Fluminense, born and raised since yep. the age of 13. He's been at the academy, and I love to see Marcelo saying it's the most important title ever. The best yeah. left back ever in the history of football. It's between Marcelo, Roberto Carlos, or Nilton Sanch. That Nilton Sanch won mm. two Copa do Mundo back in the day. Mm-hmm. Nilton Sanch left back two, but I go with Marcelo. <laughs> Recency mm. bias. Well... <laughs> Uh, it's it is just amazing to see this happen. This is Fluminense's first win. Uh, I believe that they were finalists back in 2007, 2008. Ended up losing in the final. Mm. Um, but not only with Marcelo at 36, uh, becoming the 14th player ever to win the Copa Libertadores and the Champions League, mm. joining names like Neymar and David Luiz and Cafu and ah. De- and Dida and Carlos Tevez to throw an Argentinian in there. Oh, and most recently, I think it was. Julian Alvarez, right? River, Manchester yes. City. Uh, but uh, there are other names that need to be thrown out here. Um, the eventual, <laughs> yeah, the, the Her- Herman Cano, okay? 35-year-old Ooh, kind yes. of journeyman has been scoring important goals for Fluminense for, for years since he's joined them. I think he's got like 68 goals or something and like 90 caps for them. Um, so for him to actually get this Copa, Libra, Copa Libertadores win is absolutely huge. No, but the funny, the no, first, it's not really funny. It's the first player to score what? 13 goals in Libertadores this century, Germán Cano. Oh, yeah. he's That's right. He is also the right. He's the leading scorer. 
yeah. of the Libertadores. That's right. Historic. Um, just scoring. Unreal. Uh, immense. Yeah. But but he even got a little bit of a break in the knockout rounds. You know why? <laughs> because 21-year-old John... Con- I'm just going to say it because he was a, you know, John F. Kennedy. John Kennedy, uh, mm-hmm. 21 years old, he scored in every round of the knockout rounds. Every round of the knockout rounds in the Copa Libertadores in this historic first Fluminense win. So you're talking about a 21-year-old Brazilian striker scoring in the round of 16, scoring in the quarterfinals, scoring in the semifinals, and then he scores the all-important uh, late winner, extra time winner, a golasso for them to lift the trophy against Boca Juniors, I might add, at the Maracanã. I mean, how how amazing and historic uh, is that? And uh, it's John Kennedy is somebody, you probably say it better in Portuguese, somebody you're going to want to watch moving forward because I'm sure he's nah, on everybody's mate. radar wait, right wait, now. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. You say better in Portuguese? His name is John Kennedy. What you mean? Yeah, but... <laughs> I need I need the accent on it. Come on, throw an accent out no, there. No, wait. Right? I think it's John, really like John, John Kennedy. Kennedy. No, I really think it's John Kennedy. Like it's mad <laughs> that a player like him as with the name John Kennedy is okay. getting the spotlight and he's improving a lot. And going with what you yeah. said too with Fluminense, Fluminense, yeah. this team of Fluminense winning the Libertadores is the first team ever to win a Libertadores and to beat on the way to the uh, to, mm-hmm. to winning River Plate. And Boca Juniors. And every Brazilian fan must love to see that. Fluminense went bold. And Fernandinich, the manager Mm. of the national team of Fluminense 2, it's it's really (laughs) good to see that uh, he's getting it to deserve recognition. Because this is a really good title for Fluminense in their history. And my biggest shout out, German Cano. Great player. John Kennedy. Bold recognition. And... The fact that he got a red card after celebrating the that I goal, know. it's so sad. Okay, we're we're really losing the touch of football. Okay, because football, a player that does that doesn't deserve to be sent off for any reason. He didn't commit a mm. crime. Okay, he just showed his <laughs> body. <laughs> come on, well, yeah, oh, in today's day and age, oh come on. Oh, so, <laughs> but laws of the laws of the game are laws of the game, kid. Oh, I know passion is passion, but no, I'm I'm with you. I think taking off your shirt is is that's just. But they get but, a yellow card for that. But but, yeah. but that game clearly showed that the best CDM right now in Brazil in Brasileirão, no doubt, is Andre. Andre mm-hmm. is so. Good people in duels one, in tackles, in interceptions, in progressive passes. At 22, remember the name of Andre Copa Libertadores winner with Fluminense. It's Marcelo, it's German Cano, it's Andre. Big time. And he's called up two for Brazil too. Andre. And Cavani. It's so so sad that Cavani, in his last three years, he's been a runners-up in the Libertadores. (laughs) <laughs> in the Europa League with Man United and mm. yeah in the Champions League he's been a runners up too with PSG Oof. <laughs> well uh Andre I'm sure I know Liverpool was really really high on him uh, originally you think they'll th- think they'll come back around or you think it's Arsenal's time to give him I, a call look if our, if if Liverpool gets I think the the two CDMs that actually the, the Brazilian and mentioned in this pod for Arsenal mm. and Liverpool the two top CDMs to sign should be Andre and Douglas Luiz. Mm-hmm. And a third, maybe, mm-hmm. Kefrin Turam. Just a bold mm-hmm. mention. Kefrin Turam, maybe. Yep. But Douglas Luiz and Andre yep. would add a lot of quality to that team. The new Fabinho yep. for Liverpool. 
<laughs> well, uh, but, but, but before we move on from the Libertadores, I think everybody uh, from the Boca Juniors side, I mean, I thought Boca was probably going to do it after they equalized. Um, but one of the stars of Boca Juniors, and I think he's a star in your newly found love uh, for football manager, or newly rediscovered love for <laughs> football manager, um, you know, Valentin Barco uh, is definitely going to be one you got to watch. Um, I don't know if he had his best game in this particular no, he, final. No, he, he wasn't uh, too good but, in the final. But until then, no, he was vital. He was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just wanted to throw that name out there for anyone that doesn't know him. Um, he's, he's hard to miss. He's a redheaded Argentinian wonder kid. Um, and there's a lot of wonder kids. And if there's one way to stand out, that's, that's, true. that's one way to stand and, out. And Argentina, yeah, and he's a hell of a player. It's not just McAllister. Yep. It's Valentino Barco too. And great left back. One of the best young left backs in the world right now. I, I th yep. completely, I, th I, th I really think that. But yes, my and last mention in the podcast, I'm going to say Ballon d'Or now is with the UEFA. Okay, so this is yeah. a partnership of two entities that will up the value of the ceremony. So good on the UEFA joining in with the Ballon d'Or, giving more legitimacy. And it makes sense because if you're under, an, under 18 in football, understandably, you feel attached to who wins the Ballon d'Or to the best footballer mm -hmm. in the world. So it's a smart decision by UEFA to do that. Yeah, and anything to uh, lend a little more credibility to to how it gets done exactly. and, and what happens. So that's good. Uh, well, if you're speaking of Ballon d'Or, I think one of the more heartwarming things that I've seen over the last uh, um, week is watching Leo Messi uh, bring the Ballon d'Or back to Miami uh, <laughs> and to see him going from academy uh, age group to academy age group, taking big pictures uh, with these kids, letting them hold and touch the Ballon d'Or, not just as kids. Um I mean, uh, just from my own perspective, watching American soccer, watching American football uh, slowly on the rise, um, these are the types of things that hopefully, like, these dreams just get stuck in their heads. Like, I want to be that. I want to be that. Some of them might be too old now to get to that point in that amount of time. But, man, uh, I, I really hope it, it starts that that rationalization and that realization uh, of some of these kids to think higher beyond yeah. major league soccer beyond that. And we'll see, we'll see if it happens, but just side note, anyone that, you know, football manager, FIFA career mode, or just an insane, almost sick, insatiable, not want for knowledge um, in the, the, the future of football. Uh, the, tw the U17 world cup is starting this coming week, I believe it's November 10th in Indonesia, and you are going to see some of, you know, top new talents uh, on display. No, Endrick likely will not be there, but Claudio Echeverri in Argentina will be there. Uh, Laurent for Brazil. Uh, basically every player in La Masia uh, for Barcelona will be in Spain. Um, there for Spain. So definitely tune in. We'll talk about it a little bit as uh, as it progresses. Um but there are some great, great names there. Not named Warren Zaire, Emery, Lamine Yamal. Noah Darvish. No, Noah Darvish playing. is there. And Noah Darvish. You, you got the young fullback that scored, uh, what, 23 seconds into his debut, Mark? Mark Guaya? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to yep. be there, Mark, too. Yep. So some he interesting there. names um, to pay attention. And never on forget. The, on the English side, on the English side, you have the youngest Premier League player in history. And that's ah, Ethan, Ethan Waneri. Who who yeah. has been killing it uh, for Arsenal's there. youth 
Wait, sh- uh, I, no, I did not see his name on that roster. I did see Chris Rigg, who mm-hmm. has been playing uh, quite a bit, actually, in the championship for Sunderland. Definitely a player you want to watch. Um, but most importantly, on the U.S. side of things, anyone that's been tracking Leo Messi, tracking Inter-Miami, I know we talk about uh, Benjamin Kramaski, uh, but I think one of the biggest stars coming up in that Inter-Miami Academy, I think after this U-17 World Cup, quite a few people will know his name. It's uh, center back Tyler Hall. So mm. keep his name and keep Cruz Medina. Um, keep thinking about them uh, because it's it's going to be real Real fun. I love the U17 World Cup. You you get some great names. But let us know, young players of the Under-17 World Cup that we might have not mentioned here in the last three minutes. Let us know what have we missed in episode 130. And if you're listening until now, please don't forget to like this video. It's a huge help for us. Let's have more than 100 likes in this episode. And again, thank you so much, people, for going bold and listening to another episode of FC Wonder Kid. Thank you.